Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, welcome to or welcome back to Try Not to Care if you're new here. I'm Ashley. I'm so happy to have you. So normally I do an advice session at the end of every month, but I think I've missed last month's and the month before that. And I I just think that it will be way more fun for me and for everyone if I stop putting pressure on doing it at the end of every month and just do it when I want to make one, when I feel inspired or when I feel like I, I want to talk about something or you all are telling me you want to hear something. So I want to start the month of August with an advice session. If you follow me on TikTok, you might know that I'm doing 75 hard, which is this challenge that you do for 75 days. You work out twice a day, you drink a gallon of water, you stick to a diet, you read 10 pages of a nonfiction or a self-improvement book every day for 75 days. And through doing this, I have felt very motivated, more so than ever. I am getting really good at having a routine. I'm moving more, I'm eating better, and I'm doing a lot more than just mindlessly scrolling on my phone. And with this newfound inspiration and motivation, I figured let's do an advice session to motivate you and me and just feel good. But before we get into it, if you ever want to ask me questions, there's a Google form linked in the show notes, the group chat, my Instagram, TikTok. You can ask me questions there, message me there. They're all linked for you. But let's get right into it. Okay, so question one, how to stop scrolling all day and how to lower screen time. Being on your phone is low-key an addiction even though we might not see it as harmful as other addictions like drugs or alcohol it's still an addiction that a lot of us have that we might not really want to admit to I've had a really hard time admitting to the fact that I am addicted to my phone I think we all say oh I'm addicted to my phone I can't live without my phone but it's come to a point where I can't go for a prolonged amount of time without reaching for my phone. I'll be working at my computer and five minutes into working, I'm like, where's my phone? I need to scroll. So where does this 
addiction come from? How does one become addicted to their phone or how does addiction happen? Addiction happens when there's repeated use of something and it changes the way your brain feels pleasure. So with the use of your phone, many people become addicted because they use it as a way to stimulate the release of dopamine. Dopamine is a molecule that sends messages between cells. Also, I'm literally reading this off my phone. I have no idea how any of this works. I had to research it. Yes, I did study psychology in school. Do I remember any of it? No. Um, dopamine is a molecule that sends messages between cells and it spikes when we feel pleasure and that's why it's called the happy hormone but it's only temporary and it's not like serotonin that is a long-lasting kind of happiness. So when you pick up your phone and you watch TikToks or YouTube or you get a text from a friend, you feel that happiness, you get that spike of dopamine, but it fades really fast. It fades just as quickly as it comes. But obviously, we want to continue feeling that way. When I'm on my computer working and I don't want to be working and I'm feeling dreadful and bored and tired, I want that spike of dopamine. So I reach for my phone to feel that. And when you do this over and over and over again, it becomes this endless cycle that is hard to break and it becomes addicting. So how do we stop this cycle and how do we lower our screen time? I have said, and I will always say that you cannot hate yourself into someone you love, but I will make the exception for this. I do think it is beneficial to look at your screen time and feel shameful for how high it is. There's no reason your screen time should be 18 hours of a day. That makes literally no sense. And I'm saying this as someone who's had such high screen time. Forcing yourself to look at that number might make you feel bad enough to want to change your behavior. Being honest with yourself and acknowledging that you are losing out on so many opportunities and experiences by being on your phone. The 15 hours that you spend scrolling on your phone could be used in so many more productive ways. You can be out making memories with your friends. You can be doing self-care. You can be studying. You can be working on your craft. But instead, you're so consumed in other people's lives and focused on what other people are doing. Why do you care so fucking much about the Kardashians? Why do you care so much about what your ex-boyfriend's doing? Why do you care so much what people you went to high school with are doing? I saw this photo of myself from like 2012. And it's a photo of me sitting on my grandparents' couch. It's a holiday. And I'm on my phone. And I look back at that photo with guilt and resentment towards myself because I can never get that memory back. I can never go back to that time. I can never go and spend time with my grandparents again because they're gone. It hurts to see that I missed out on something that I want so badly now because I was worried about what my friends were doing online. I was worried about posting Instagram photos. I was worried about looking a certain way. I was worried about what my ex was doing. I was worried about 
everything but myself and the people in my life who actually gave a shit about me. I don't want to look back at my life now in a couple months and have nothing to show for it. I don't want it to be December and realize I didn't do anything. I didn't make any friends. I didn't make any memories. I don't want to feel like I wasted my time. And when I made that connection and I realized how damaging being on my phone can be, I started making efforts to lower my screen time. I'm still on my phone so much. I'm not going to say that I'm not. I love my phone. But the first step to lowering your screen time and being more present is acknowledging you are a little addicted to your phone. So some things that I've been doing to help with not being on my phone so much. Well, for starters, I avoid going on my phone first thing in the morning. Obviously, I shut my alarm off, but I try to stick to a routine. I I get up, I brush my teeth, I let my dogs out, I feed them, and then I'll make my coffee and eat my breakfast. Sometimes I'll do a meditation, but I won't go on my phone. And something that I've realized is you can tell yourself that you're not going to go on your phone first thing in the morning. You're not going to scroll all day. But unless you make a conscious effort to not do so, if you are addicted, it's an automatic process. Your body and your mind is immediately going to bring you to do that. I've found myself waking up some days and feeling like I'm on autopilot where my body literally just like a zombie goes straight to the couch and whips out my phone and I start scrolling, even though I I didn't want to do that. If you want to break the cycle, you need to get back in control of your mind and your behaviors. You need to tell yourself, I run the show. I am in control of what I do and I don't want to do this. And although it's hard, you need to pull yourself out of it and say, "Uh uh-uh, we're getting off this couch, we're getting off the phone, and we're going to go do something productive even if that thing is making coffee. Another thing I like to do is before bed every night, I try to create a schedule for the next day and stick to it. And I like to do it in hours. So eight o'clock, wake up, 8.30, have coffee, have breakfast, nine o'clock, do work. And it helps me stay on track. So even if I schedule off from eight to nine, I do the task that needs to be done. And if I have time, I can allow myself to go on my phone for a little bit. But once it hits 10 o'clock or the next time, my phone goes away and I need to move on to the next task. Those are the priority, not my phone. Number two, what are some good tips in staying more consistent, not just for content creating, but remaining motivated towards your goals? So like I was just saying about planning your day before you go to bed, I think planning your week every week at the start of the week, like Sunday night, is really beneficial. Sitting down and figuring out what you want to achieve this week, what you're working towards, what's most important, what's least important, scheduling your work, scheduling your self-care, scheduling downtime with your friends, scheduling what you're eating. I know that does sound a little intense, but I do think if you want to be consistent at anything, you need to make time for it and you need to be organized. You need to know exactly what you're working towards, what the goal is, and scheduling and planning is really helpful in doing that. Something that 
I've talked about before and I use in my everyday life is writing down three things and only three things that you absolutely need to finish that day. You might have a huge to-do list, but figuring out every day only three things that need to get done and whatever else is left on the list can wait till the next day and the next day. The reason I think this is so helpful is because when you have so many things to do, even if you check off a few of those things on your list, if you have a massive list, it's easy to feel like you're not doing enough because you haven't checked everything off. Whereas if you have a small list and you check those three things off, you feel so much more accomplished. I also feel like when I have so many things to do, I don't really know where to start, so I just don't and nothing gets done. I also think it's really important to reward yourself when you do get something done. I know that it can be difficult to congratulate yourself and reward yourself for doing good. We're all a little too hard on ourselves, but even just rewarding yourself with a coffee after finishing something, allowing yourself to go on your phone after doing something, buying yourself something that you really wanted after paying a bill. Not even just rewards, but I think being affirming to yourself and being supportive towards yourself and reminding yourself that you're doing a good job when you do these things can motivate you to keep doing them and to keep being consistent with what you're doing. Every night before I go to bed, I like to lay down and think of those three things that I completed. It's really easy to get in your head and tell yourself, I didn't do enough or I could have done more or it's not worth it, I'm I'm failing and kind of self-sabotage yourself and make you want to stop working at what you're working towards. But reminding yourself, no, I did this, this, and this can be a really good motivator to keep going. I know you said not just for content creating, but I think the reason why so many people have trouble with posting online and they aren't consistent with posting online is because they post on TikTok and Instagram and they don't get the likes or the follows they were anticipating that they were going to get. And they do all this hard work and they're like, well, what am, what is the point of it? What is the point of filming all of this and editing all of this for no one to watch it, for no one to like it, for no one to like me? And they forget why they're doing what they're doing and they just stop posting, they give up. Reminding yourself why you started doing what you're doing, reminding yourself what the long-term goal is, helps you stay on track and gets your head in the right place. It's really easy to get lost and confused in the process of working towards your goals because there is a journey there that might be a little slower than you thought it would be but just because it's slow doesn't mean that it's not going to work. I feel like I've already used this analogy before but let's say you're going on a road trip. It's a long road trip. It's going to take a long time to get there but if you keep driving you're going to get there. If you're consistent and you are patient you're going to get there. But if you drive halfway there and you're like, oh, this is taking so long, I'm bored, I'm tired, I don't wanna do this, and you turn around, of course you're not going to get there. Consistency, patience, confidence, and trusting yourself are the things that are going to make sure you achieve your goals. But giving up because it gets too hard or it takes too long or it doesn't go the way you wanted it to go are the things that are going to make sure that it doesn't work out. 
Moving on to the next question, how to not be afraid of failure. You can be the most confident, successful person and you still might have that little voice in the back of your head telling you that there's a chance you might fail. So many of us struggle with it, so why are we afraid of failing? There's so many reasons behind it, but a lot of us feel like we have something to prove. There's past experiences of ours where we failed and we felt embarrassed. We've been bullied. A lot of us also have really high expectations of ourselves and we don't want to let ourselves down or let others down. With there being so many reasons that people fear failing, I think it's important to ask yourself, why am I afraid of failing? What's triggering me? Am I actually afraid of doing this thing? Or is there something deeply rooted in me that I haven't resolved yet that's coming up and making me feel like I'm going to fail or I can't do this or I can't be this? Something that's really helped me with overcoming the fear of failure is only focusing on what I can control. What is in my hands that I can do to ensure that I'm successful and what is not in my hands and that I just simply cannot control? For example, giving a speech. What can you do to ensure that the speech goes well? You can write the speech, you can practice, you can sleep well the night before, You can try your very hardest to be confident and just do your thing. But there's still things that are going to impact you that you have no control over. Like how people react to it. If they pay attention to it. If there's noise in the room. What's going on around you. Those are things that you can't plan for. You have no idea if they're going to happen. So there's no point and sitting around and worrying about them the night before. For all you know, you go there and none of that is happening and it goes smoothly. So what's the point in working yourself up and making you think that all of those things are going to happen? Also, you can't be good at everything. Not everyone is a pro the first time around. Kind of talking about the speech thing again, I have always had a horrible time public speaking. I don't know what it is. I just get choked up. I feel like I'm going to black out. I get hot. I get shaky. I struggle so hard. And there's been times in high school and in college where people go up before me and I can visibly see that they're struggling too and having the same issues as me. But in my head, I still have to do better than that. It doesn't matter if I see that everyone's having the same problem as me and that it's a normal thing that people experience. In my head, I can do better than that. I should be doing better. I shouldn't be struggling. I hold myself to this high standard and when I don't meet it, I crumble. But you can't expect yourself to meet that high standard if it's not realistic. By doing that, you are literally setting yourself up to fail especially with new experiences. If your body has never gone through a certain experience, how do you expect it to know what to do, how to react? It's first time around. I can't expect myself to make you an enchilada. 
without a recipe when I have never fucking made an enchilada in my life? How do I expect myself to chef up this dish that I have no idea how to make just because other people can do it? You can't be good at everything. You aren't a robot. You aren't AI. Like, it's not realistic. But just because you might fail at things or you might struggle at things doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Trying to avoid failure limits you and your potential. You fail immediately the second you decide not to try. You either stay the same or you try and potentially gain a new skill or gain a new friend or gain a new thing, but you absolutely gain a new experience regardless if you're good at it or not. You will miss out on so many opportunities just because you're afraid. For all you know, your gift or your talent could be hiding within you because you're too afraid to go off and explore it. To all my Taylor Swift girlies, imagine if Taylor Swift never picked up a guitar because she was afraid that people would make fun of her or she wouldn't be good at it. Imagine if that never happened. Imagine all the songs we wouldn't have now because she was afraid of failure. Imagine if Selena Gomez told her mom, I don't want to audition for Barney. I don't, I won't be good at that. We wouldn't have Alex Russo from Wizards of Waverly Place. Imagine the creator of Taco Bell. If they were like, I have this vision, but I don't think I can bring it to life. I don't think people will get it. I don't think people will like it. Imagine if they just scrapped the idea and we never got a cheesy gordita crunch. It's scarier to not go after things that could potentially be good than to go after them and struggle a little bit. We're all struggling, so you might as well struggle doing what you want to do. Question four, advice on making big life decisions like changing career paths in school. I know it feels scary. You probably have so many what if questions. What if I make a mistake? What if I make a wrong decision? What if I let people down? There's a lot of pressure to know what you want to do and a lot of pressure to pursue it quickly. There's this idea that you need to know what you want to do at such a young age and stick to it. Otherwise, you're confused and you're behind There is no rush. You're never behind because you're always on your time. What others are doing with their time and their schedule and their timeline has nothing to do with you. Some people have their whole life figured out by 20, by 30. Some people don't have it figured out until they're 60, 80, 90. Honestly, the reason I think so many people have a midlife crisis is because at a young age, they were forced to settle down and do things that others wanted them to do. They were forced to get married, buy a house, and have kids, and live the American dream. They're living it, so they're supposed to feel fulfilled. They're supposed to feel successful and happy and in love. And they get to a certain age, and they realize they aren't any of those things. They didn't get to do what they wanted to do. They aren't living the life they wanted to live. They chose a career that their parents wanted or that was 
manageable to have while having children. They got married so they didn't get to experience their 20s and have fun with their girlfriends or their guy friends. So they get in their 40s or their 50s and they're like, wow, I've lived so many years but I have nothing to show for it other than things that I'm not proud of and things that don't make me happy and that don't feel like me that I'm not aligned with and they freak the fuck out. They start doing all these things that they actually wanted to do and everyone's like, oh wow, you're crazy. You're losing your mind. You're having a midlife crisis. And it's like, yeah, not doing what you want to do will do that to you. And the reason I bring this up is because if you're trying to navigate what you want to do right now, you're trying to change your career path, you're trying to figure out what you want to do, but you're having hesitations because you're afraid of falling behind or you're afraid of letting people down, remember that you're going to feel this way times 50 in a couple years if you don't make a decision or at least if you don't experiment or explore. You don't have to make a decision, but if you don't allow yourself to at least explore it and figure out what you actually do want to do, you're going to regret it. You owe it to yourself to change your mind a million times. If you're second guessing what you're doing right now and you have other plans to do something else or you you're wanting to do something else, do you really think that feeling is going to go away in a year? If you're in nursing school right now and you're like, I fucking hate nursing. I would be a terrible nurse. No one should ever have me as a nurse. I want to go to art school. Do you really think going through a couple more years of nursing school is going to change your mind? Do you really think that passion of yours to do art is going to go away? Or do you think it's going to amplify? I don't say this to scare you, but if you feel confused now or you feel behind or lost you're going to feel that way even more in a couple years or 20 years 30 years down the line if you don't do what you want to do it's either you fuck around now and you try whatever it is you want to try out do what you want to do and maybe you make people upset maybe you mess up but at least you explored it you either do that and find what makes you happy or you continue doing something that doesn't make you happy and you stick to it and you live a life feeling regret. What's scarier? What's riskier? When do you know it's time for change? This is the easiest question I've had to answer so far. And I don't mean easy in the way that change is easy. Obviously, change is difficult. When it comes to change, there's a million emotions involved, a million questions, a bunch of people in your life, a bunch of things pulling you in different directions. That's not simple. The simple thing is listening to your gut and being aware of how you feel. When you start to lack excitement, when you start feeling more frustrated than happy, when you lack motivation, when you feel like you have to force things, that is when you know that things aren't right and things need to change. Not to say that everything in your life needs to be easy peasy, but things that are meant for you typically do work out for you. They do feel seamless. Again, doesn't mean that things in your life are going to always be perfect and you're not going to have little tiffs and arguments and 
difficulties and bumps in the road, that's still going to happen. But when a relationship is right, a career is right, a situation is right, you don't typically have those what if questions. You aren't usually searching or thinking of more. So if you find yourself thinking of more or gravitating towards things outside of your daily routine or outside of your relationship or outside of your career, there's probably a reason why you're thinking of that. You're probably being called to explore it, which means things are going to have to change. You shouldn't feel so much discomfort in your everyday life. You shouldn't feel uncomfortable going to work or being in a relationship or where you're living. That's why so many people end up leaving their hometowns because they outgrow where they were living and being in that area makes them uncomfortable. It triggers them. It makes them unhappy. When those feelings become your everyday feelings, when you're feeling more uncomfortable than you are satisfied and happy and at peace, that's when you know things need to change or you need to change or the people around you need to change. Something's got to give. Next question, how to motivate yourself to do things alone? I think, honestly, I am the girl to answer this. I do so many things alone, if not most things alone. Unfortunately, I've had a lot of friendships where I've been forced to do things alone, where they've left me out or left me completely. And at first, doing things alone was uncomfortable and scary, but it's something that I look forward to now and I enjoy but it took a little bit to get here. I think the reason why the idea of doing things alone is scary and shocking to people is because they jump to these big scenarios. They think, oh my God, I can't go to a concert alone. I can't go to dinner alone. I can't go on vacation alone. It's like, girlfriend, hold up. We don't need to fly across the country by ourselves for the first thing. Like, work our way up. Take yourself to get a coffee, take yourself to get flowers, take yourself on a walk, do small little things like a movie night, a self-care night, and get comfortable with being alone. And then you can start doing things like going to lunch by yourself and feeling comfortable sitting at a table by yourself. I really wanted to go to LA for the longest time, but I never had a friend to go with me, I just kind of came to the conclusion that I probably would never go unless like my boyfriend decided he wanted to go with me. And the opportunity finally came about in I think 2021, 2022. And I realized if I wanted to go, I would need to fly by myself. That was terrifying. The idea flying alone was terrifying but I realized the idea of doing things alone is so much scarier than actually doing things alone. Before I went on my flight I was thinking of all these scary bad scenarios of things that could go wrong and I really worked myself up and gave myself so much anxiety about it but it's like when those things actually do happen if they happen you handle it in the moment you troubleshoot. It's not the end of the world. You can very much do things and be okay. And I just think like if I didn't decide to fly by myself, I would have never went. 
I would have missed out on such amazing experiences. I would have missed out on such amazing friendships just because I thought I needed a body with me to do something. And I think that's something to really take into consideration when deciding whether or not you want to do something. Would you rather miss out on the opportunity because you have no one to go with or do you want to go do that thing by yourself? Do you want to go do the thing that you want to do? I talked about this in I think my summer, my Healed Girl Summer episode where I talked about this summer, if you want to go to the beach, don't wait around for your friends to have the day off or for your boyfriend to go with you. If you want to go to the beach, pack your damn beach bag and go to the beach. The only person that's holding you back from doing that is you. Also, think of all the advantages that come with doing things alone. You get to decide whatever you want to do, you can do. You can eat whatever food you want to eat, listen to whatever music you want to listen to. You get to schedule it around your time and you can leave whenever you want to leave. You don't have to be stuck at a house party or a bar with your friends when you want to go. You get to leave whenever you want to leave. And that's something that I've found a lot of comfort in. I've told myself, I might be a little nervous to go do this thing, but even if I go for five minutes, I can decide to leave when I feel uncomfortable and at least I went and did it. And I think a lot of people also fear doing things alone because they're afraid people are going to make fun of them or judge them if they go to eat at a restaurant alone people might make fun of them or look at them and it's like you really think that people are eating at Chili's staring at you and judging the fact that you're eating alone when you go out to eat are you staring at other people and worrying about what they're doing no you're eating the food on your plate or at least you should be and if you're not what are you doing people who aren't miserable aren't worried about what other people are doing only people who are miserable are worried about what others are doing and again if you're out and you feel like someone's staring at you or judging you you can leave you shouldn't but you have the choice to leave the more you spend time alone the more comfortable you will get doing it like I said I used to get so uncomfortable doing things alone I hated it where now I prefer it you should be your best friend you should look forward to spending time alone Okay, the last question of this advice session is how to get motivated to work out. I think viewing working out as an activity and something that you want to do rather than a chore is really good to do. I never want to work out when I feel like I have to go work out. You should never feel like you have to do anything. I don't want to feel like I have to work out because... I need to lose weight or look a certain way. I want to work out because I want to feel good and I want to improve my mental health and I want to sleep better. I want to get stronger. I want to get more disciplined. Those are all things I want, not because I need to do them. And you might be like, Ashley, who wants to work out? There are some gym rats that literally love working out. Um, I'm not one. But finding workouts that you enjoy will make you want to work out. I'm not someone that goes to the gym and lifts weights. I am a girly 
who works out occasionally at the gym and I love to do the treadmill and I like to do Pilates at the gym. I also really like going on walks and dancing and yoga. So finding workouts that work for you and make you excited to do them. Like I genuinely get excited to throw on a dance workout. I also found that I enjoy my workout a million times more when I have cute workout clothes on and cute accessories. Something that has also helped me is having a pre-workout routine and a post-workout routine. So before the gym, making yourself a protein shake or a coffee, finding music or a podcast to listen to while you're working out, jamming in the car before working out, And just like getting in the zone and pumping yourself up. And then the post-workout routine goes stupid. Like planning to have a great meal after you work out. Like nothing hits more than eating after the gym. Rewarding yourself with a coffee after. The shower after the gym hits so different. It's like all I think of while I'm working out and I'm sweating. Doing all of your skincare and getting cozy and getting relaxed and in bed the best feeling ever. Another thing that is a recent thing that I've been doing is having a gym buddy to motivate me to go. Like I said, I I love doing things alone, but one of my friends has been going to the gym lately and she'll text me and be like, hey, I'm going to the gym. Are you going? And what am I going to say? No, I'm a lazy piece of shit today. I'm not going. You can only say that like once and then eventually they're like, okay, come on, you got to go. And with 75 hard, I have to do two workouts anyways, so it makes me go. Like, I might not have the best workout. I might not give my all and put all of this effort in, but at least I got to the gym. I can at least say I went to the gym. But that is everything for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed today's advice session. If you did, make sure to give Try Not To Care a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. It helps me out so much, and I appreciate it so freaking much. If you like the advice session and you want to ask me questions, make sure to send me questions on the Google form, group chat, Instagram, all of those are in the show notes. So make sure to ask me questions there and I might just get to one of your questions. As always, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I love you besties and I will talk to you next time. Bye besties.